Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, a lot of us have an idea, a project, something we want to get off the ground alongside our regular work life. But so often, we can't quite make it happen. It is absolutely possible to make this year the year that you make the big thing, that, the, that, all, that everything changes for you. But it's you who has to make those changes. You can't just wish it or decide it. You have to actually take action. How to prioritize that idea you're always talking about, coming up on The Broad Experience. Before we get into the show, a quick word about a former guest. I know a lot of you lead a team. When you're a manager, your work is about more than just the work. It's about managing human relationships and enabling your team to get things done and to thrive. It's not always easy. People management is a skill you develop over time when you make the commitment to learn. You can find Anne Libby's free monthly newsletter on management at people.substack.com. Each month, you'll learn about how good managers do their work and ways you can practice and learn. Anne is a noted management expert, and she also interviews experts and practitioners and writes and curates recommended reading for you about people management and workplace trends. The internet is full of advice, as you may have noticed. Some of it is BS. On Management is practical, topical and smart. It's like getting a monthly email from an experienced mentor or your cool aunt. You can find it at people.substack.com. I'll also post a link under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. At the start of a new year, a lot of us are thinking about clearing the decks of old habits, forging new ones. We're thinking about ways we want to improve our lives. We tell ourselves we really will launch that business on the side this year, or start writing that book we've been thinking about, or launch that podcast, or just make an old-fashioned photo album, in my case. Something for us, something we really want to do. Yet it can be so hard to make those creative projects happen in the midst of work and life and other people's needs. I have had my photos printed out for a year. I have not made the album. Often our good intentions fall by the wayside amidst all the demands coming from the outside world. My guest this week knows all about that. My name is Jessica Abel and I am a cartoonist. I'm the author of a number of books, both prose and comics. Jessica is a fully-fledged professional creative. On top of her writing and drawing, she teaches as well, and she coaches people on how to actually make space in their lives to achieve their creative dreams, whether that's starting a new business or writing a novel. She's also married and has two kids. Most of her clients are also women. I do work with, I would say, a majority of women, and I think women have this issue even more strongly than men do, although men certainly have it too, 
this feeling of obligation towards every everybody and everything else in their lives more than themselves. They don't feel like they have the right to spend time on their book or their painting or whatever it is until they've sort of checked all the boxes and everybody's okay. And the fact is, everybody's never going to be okay. There's always going to be something else to do. Why do we feel that way? Well, I think that there's a lot of socialization that goes into that. Um, but I also feel like there's uh, – we also reinforce it ourselves. You know, we we tell ourselves this. It's easier to do something that feels like you're fulfilling an obligation to somebody else than it is to truly believe that your own work is important. You know, to, to truly feel that important, to truly feel like that's the thing, you know, that, that you deserve equal weight. Again, this goes back to what can be a major difference between the sexes. Confidence and the belief that you deserve things. That holding up in your study or your lab or your studio, being away from other obligations, it will bring its own rewards. This kind of thinking applies both in the professional realm and also in what we might consider the personal realm. So if you, if your goal on the on the professional side is to grow your consulting business, you still have to be thinking about what are the strategic things that you need to be doing. You need to get your head out of the day-to-day clamor of email and demands and like just only responding to what people are asking of you. And you have to choose to spend time on what you see as important and strategic in order to move things forward. So that's, you know, the same basic thinking process as say you really want to start painting again because it just makes you happy and you have to be able to decide that that time focusing on your painting just on weekends and evenings you're not trying to be a pro is as important as organizing your children's lunch boxes or something you know that that it's okay for you to let them be disorganized and we'll come back to that idea of letting things go in a minute I'd recently read one of Jessica's blog posts on her own sometimes frenzied existence. And she described this situation, which is probably familiar to a lot of other freelance creatives. You like creating things. So you make something, complete a project, and almost instantly you move on and start creating something else. You don't implement a marketing plan for the last self-published book you wrote or the course you designed. You just jump right into the next thing. You don't allow yourself any time to sit and ponder what's important about the project you just completed or what maybe didn't work and shouldn't be repeated. Jessica says for her, this rushing into the next thing, the lack of reflection. That all comes out of scarcity, comes out of scarcity thinking, scarcity of time and scarcity of money. So that it's not so much that I'm deeply inspired by the next project. Maybe I really want to do it, but my my frenzy to jump right into the next thing always feels like if I'm not working, if I'm not killing myself, I'm going to end up a bag lady. You know, like nothing's going things are going to fall apart. You know, this is anxiety that comes out of a sense of what I'm doing is not enough, it's not going to be okay. So I just have to keep running as fast as I can. And allowing yourself the space to be creative and to think and to be strategic and to figure out what the end result of one thing is before you move on to the next thing is super scary, really, really scary, because you have to allow white space in your life and in your calendar. Think about that for a minute. To so many of us, the mere idea of white space sounds like a luxury. 
But she's right. It's something anyone who has to come up with ideas needs in their life. It's why we shouldn't overschedule ourselves. But only we can put that empty block on our calendars. And doing that probably means not doing something else. And that's where it gets tricky. Jessica says there are lots of ways our creative endeavours or side hustles can go off track. She's borrowed a couple of terms from other writers. This term that I've got from uh, that I got from um, Kazi Kibuishi, idea debt. So all of the projects you think you want to make, all of the things that you have sort of stored up, and think that they're going to be the the thing that changes it for you. And whenever you start working on one, then the other one jumps up and distracts you from it, and you don't necessarily get to really deeply focus on any one thing. So that's one thing. Then you have open loops. So that comes from the terminology comes from getting things done by David Allen. And that's all of the little commitments you've made to yourself and to other people that are, they're literally sitting around your space right now. Like, just look down and you've got some, you know, it's like tabs that are open on your browser that you, it's an article you meant to read or something you want to send somebody or like something you're planning to buy, but you haven't actually clicked buy yet. It's text messages you need to answer. It's emails. It's little notes. I'm looking at my computer right now, and there's a post-it on my computer telling me what to do today, you know, which is open loops, right? So if you haven't decided what of those things you are going to do and which of those things you are not going to do, because I'm sorry to tell you, but you are never going to finish your to-do list. It's sad, but true. It will never happen. Yeah. I hate that. I love ticking things of boxes, you know? Yes. Well, it's deeply satisfying. So that's one of the biggest problems is that when you have a long to-do list of things or it's like, okay, I could spend my morning checking off all these boxes and feeling so efficient, or I could spend two hours sitting with myself and considering what my next step is. It's easier to check off the boxes, frankly. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. But if you don't spend the time thinking about what you want to be doing, you're just going to end up doing whatever is thrown at you, you know, and not nothing more than that. I have been a prime example of this lately, prioritizing the daily things that come at me via email or that I put on my to-do list, telling myself I'll get to my creative project, otherwise known as this show, later in the afternoon but somehow the daily stuff is still being dealt with at 5pm. Then another day goes by, more stuff comes in, I tackle that, and so on. Jessica says one way to escape this trap is to edit your to-do list. If you have a to-do list that's too full for your day, that you literally can't do all the things on your to-do list. And by the way, I have that almost every day. I try so hard (laughs) not to, but it's just... I do it all the time. I do it to myself constantly. If you do that, you will feel like a failure at the end of the day. If you don't decide what your top three things for tomorrow are the night before and cut your list down to a doable amount of things, you're going to end the day feeling like you suck. So why are you doing that to yourself? You know, so this really this kind of um, triage and sorting and conscious decision making is step one of taking control of all this stuff. And it doesn't matter how busy you are, you still only have the hours you have, you still only have 168 hours a week. So if you are putting, you know, 200 hours worth of stuff on your list, it's not going to happen anyway. Just decide which are the things that really are and which are the things that really aren't. And that alone is going to put you in the driver's seat in a way that you have not been in the past. (music) 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jessica says once you begin to take control of your time and make time for the project you've set your sights on, it helps you believe in the work and believe it's real, and you're then more likely to keep doing it. That's not to say it's easy. Anybody may be in a situation where you desperately want to write a novel or you really want to start a podcast and you don't have more than a couple hours a week tops, you know, probably broken up into bits uh, to work on it. And it's going to go slow. It's going to be really hard. But if you start working on that and feel like at least this amount of time, I have this. I This is mine. You can use that as a base to move forward. And part of that, part of the first thing that you talked about is also this business of, particularly with women, valuing ourselves or valuing the work that we want to do. Because so many times there will be that voice in your head saying that you're selfish, that these other things and these other people are more important than your, you know, dream project. Yes, exactly. So I think that it's incredibly common for everybody and especially for women to feel that if you, I mean, just imagine the scenario. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can imagine being at um, like having a Saturday, say, and Saturday afternoon, your kid has a ball game of some kind. You could go to the ball game, which is what is sort of required of you by society, or you can stay home and work on your book. And let your kid go to the ball game and, you know, buy herself and win or lose, and you'll find out later. How is it going to feel to you to say, no, I'm not going to your ball game. I'm going to stay here and work on my book. It's really, really tough. You can do it. It's not going to hurt. Nobody's going to be damaged by this. Your kid's going to be fine. But you're going to feel like you suck as a mother, <laughs> you know? And that's that's a, like the least problematic example because in a ball game situation, really nobody is going to get hurt. What if it's all about like you you need to lower your standards for cleanliness in your home so that you're not cleaning all the time instead of working on your thing? That's tough for a lot of people. That just feels like I'm failing as you know an adult woman if my uh, house isn't sparkling. You know, these are moments when it's just going to feel like who am I to say that this book means anything? Nobody's asking for it. Nobody knows it exists. How can you stand in your strength and say, no, this writing this thing is the most important thing I can do for myself. And I'm going to let everything else fall by the wayside for this hour, two hours, half a day, whatever it is, in order to take that time when nobody's telling you it's any good, when nobody's telling you that they need it. I mean, it's just really that it's an incredibly difficult conundrum. And I think getting over that just starts with acknowledging that's what's happening, that that you're just in this place where you have to acknowledge that it's it feels wrong, but intellectually, you know, it's right. And so you're just going to go with it. Hearing you talk about this, I mean, I think some people will think, 
whether it's a novel or or another type of project. Well, but what if this doesn't pay off for me? You know, let's face it, many novels do not sell well, especially when you're a first-time author. What if one of you, you know, many one of many people's big fears, I assume, is going to be, but what if I do lay aside this time and and then ultimately I spend hours and hours on what will add up to weeks and weeks of my time over some years and then the project doesn't really work out, whether that's the case of it being published and not selling. I mean, I can imagine a lot of people thinking that. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely true that um, people do think about that end result. But I think that the answer to that is asking yourself the question of what is your goal here? You know, is your goal to sell a lot of books? Is your goal to be famous? If it is, that's this legit. It's fine. You can have that goal. But you have to be aware that you don't have total control over that. You can and and if for example, if you want to sell a lot of books, there are a lot of things you can do towards that goal having to do with marketing. And you can set yourself those tasks and decide that that's your focus is to write the book and then be super serious about marketing the book. Um, but you don't really have control over that end result. So if writing the book, if the, the action of writing the book is not something that's going to be satisfy something in you that's really, really important – then maybe you you don't want to do it. Maybe you don't really want to do this thing. Because those you have to find that internal motivation for doing the work. You have to feel like the work itself is important enough to do it. Being a professional creative is incredibly hard. It's I mean, you know this, right? It's just unbelievably hard to do this for a living. And if you can do anything else and be happy with it, then do that. It's just so much easier to do almost anything except for this, professionally speaking. But if you feel in yourself the the deep desire to make the work, you have to separate that from this professional, the piece of becoming professional, and make those two separate projects, basically. Making the work is one thing. Is it enough? Yes or no. You know, and either answer is fine, but you need to know and then you want to become a, pro- a professional at it. That is a separate project involving all kinds of other projects and tasks that you may have no interest in whatsoever. So many people want to make something creative, make a creative work of some kind or another. And they kind of imagine that if you make it, they will come and that it will just translate into being a professional because it will be so excellent, which is just not true. The project of becoming a professional, of making the work support you is huge and in some ways even bigger than making the work itself. What she just said about deciding the work is important enough to do regardless of outcome, that's what I decided when I began this show. But I often struggle to get it out on time when family commitments and other work take over. Or am I just letting them take over? I don't teach all year, but when I do, I am always surprised by how much time that work takes up. And I told Jessica, I feel I have to put this other work first because it pays me so much more than the podcast. And I wouldn't be popular at home if I spent my weekends tending to my podcast baby the way I used to when I lived by myself. No, that's a real thing. I'm not denying that at all. I'm saying that is the kind of painful no you have to face. So if you said no to a freelance assignment, that's money. 
you're saying no to money, right? So it, no can be no to your husband and your, um, your stepchild saying like, I can't hang out with you today. No can be, no, I can't take that job because I, I really need to work on my podcast right now. No can be to your podcast, you know, because you're doing other things. You know, all of those things are, are painful. It's all, those are all trade-offs that are really, really hard. So the second piece of this is the calendar piece, right? So it's literally looking at how are you spending your time? Where are your priorities according to where you're literally spending your time? And so um, one of the biggest things that's transformational for, for my students and clients is time tracking, just stupid time tracking, literally like writing down, what are you doing all day? And then looking at that and making decisions about it, getting conscious about it and getting and making decisions. So um, when you talk about teaching, taking up more time than you think it takes, well, if you tracked it, you would know how much time it took. And then you could account for it going forward as opposed to looking backward and saying like, oh, man, that totally came out of left field. That's kind of the other piece. Jessica says we don't have to do it all at once. We can start taking control of small things one at a time. She says in the end, we can do what we want with our lives. And I am saying this knowing that there's all kinds of people out there yelling at the phone, whatever, yelling at whatever they're listening on, saying, no, it's not true for me. You know, I have uh, three children. I have a chronic illness. I have this and that. I completely acknowledge that there are real, absolutely real differences between different people's life circumstances and lots of stuff is not fair Lots of circumstances that we need to deal with are absolutely, it's not an even playing field. I acknowledge that. But within your own life structure, you can move things forward within the limits of what's in your life. And you can change then what it's made of. But you taking control of some of the chaos is key. Intending to do so isn't enough. A lot of people are going to be thinking about resolutions and trying to make big changes in your life. And January is a time when, you know, end of the year, sort of turn of the year is the time when everybody thinks about clean slate, start over, make everything better. But unless you are actually taking steps to change your engagement with the things that are on your list, the things that you intend to do, the things you've been doing, nothing changes. You know, you can't just simply decide you're going to make this big project this year and not change the structure of how your life works. Because if you didn't do it, if you intended to do it last year and it didn't happen last year, something happened. So if you don't say no to that stuff, some of it, then nothing changes. So, you know, I really want people to understand. I want your listeners to understand that that it is absolutely possible to make this year the year that you make the big thing, that the, that all that everything changes for you. But it's you who has to make those changes. You can't just wish it or decide it, you have to actually take action. Affirmations in the morning just won't won't cut it. No. Affirmations, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a good gratitude pra- practice. That is a good idea. But you, that's, the, that's the starting point. Then you have to actually face the hard stuff, which is making decisions about what you want to do, and more importantly, what you do not want to do, and what you are not going to do. Make those decisions and then put it in a calendar that actually conforms to the time-space continuum. Jessica Abel. She's the author of many books, including her latest, Growing Gills, How to Find Creative Focus When You're Drowning in Your Daily Life. I will link you to more information about Jessica and some of her writing under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. 
That's the last show of 2018. Thanks as ever for listening. If you'd like to kick in to support this one-woman show, I would really appreciate it. It does not have to be a large amount. Just click on the support tab at thebroadexperience.com. Thanks so much to all of you who have done that this year and to my sustaining members who pledge something every single month. Some of you have been doing this for years. I'm very grateful. I will see you a month or so into the new year. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks again for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.